Hey everyone, welcome to the Green Room Podcast on the Handshake Media Network. Uh, I am in a Sydney hotel, a very fancy room, and I'm joined by full-time Brighton Hove Albion fan and part-time DJ, Mr. Fatboy Slim. Welcome to the podcast, sir. Thank you very much, and thanks for having us. Uh, it's uh, nice thank to be you. in your pod. Yeah, well, it's, this is like a legitimate pod. You, you just told me you were like admiring the art before. This is a very fancy room. It's nice, isn't it? Yeah, I like this. Um, we're going to have to start on a probably a little bit of a sensitive note, though, because... You kicked off your tour, I want to say, in Friday in Melbourne. Uh, you performed in Brisbane on Saturday. And then Sunday, you went back to Melbourne for a bushfire relief show at a, at a place you're very familiar with, Revolver. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about this. How did this come together? Uh, just, well, just, just I did three big shows at the weekend. And then there's not much to do during the week. And I was for me, the fun downtime, they're like, do you want to go up you know, go up and visit the Great Barrier Reef or something? I was like, no, can I do some dirty club shows? That's how I get my kicks. Mm. So it's a reward for playing the big, sh- the three big shows at the weekend. I get to play the little show, and then also we wanted to. I've watched the the bushfires and on the TV, and very aware of what's going, been going on here in the lead up to coming here. And, and I was like, well, I was actually saying to the, the the promoter, you know, what's the what's the feeling? Is you know, is the country in mourning or in turmoil? Or, because you know, you kind of get the feeling and. I want to be sensitive and sympathetic to, to what's going on. And he said, well, you know, it's, you know, it's something that happens, but it's, you know, it's a big thing. And I, and I said, is there something, is a gesture I could do? So we decided to, to, to do a benefit show mm. at Revolver, which means uh, it's a good excuse for me to, to have some fun on the, you know, and do a little kind of intimate, more intimate show, but also to feel like I'm kind of giving something back and, and help, you know, helping out for the, uh, the wonderful work that the Red Cross and the, the fire service do. Because it's, and, you know, and also make you wanting to feel part of the kind of global realisation that this is, stuff like this is going to mm. go on unless, yeah. we, unless we do something about it. I know you've said before that uh, your Australian fans, you have a very different relationship with Australia because they get you. Yeah. What do you mean by get exactly? I don't know, it's just like if you make a joke and, and whether people laugh. It's as simple as that, Right really. before we started recording, you said, I'm not staring at your ass, I'm looking at the yard. And I just got it. I wasn't yeah, offended. I didn't think this guy's a creep. I just thought, yeah. you say that and people go like, they would either worry about their own ass <laughs> or think that was rude of him to say that. Yeah, I mean, that is, that is a case in point, yeah. Yeah. And my, it's just a reverent, you know, reverent uh, way of looking at life mm. seems to sit well with, with Aussies and the way that we approach the show, that it's kind of, it's sort of, bombastic and it wants to take you out of yourselves and release your inhibitions Australians quite quite fun to mm. be release inhibitions with uh, interesting things happen but also yeah I just you know I just feel that you know if I say something off the cuff people will understand it and it's not necessarily humor it's just you know your slang so, well no or just or no you know musically you know musically the, uh, the show is quite could be quite sort of camp at times. Yeah. You know I mean, it's, it, there are elements of sort of pantomime and showbiz, yeah. in there, as well as a desire to really kind of get thumping techno. So, yeah. it, and and some countries, you know, it, it, that doesn't translate so well. Anywhere in particular? I was th- well, as I said that I've, <laughs> the word Germany was going through my mind, which I've kind of I'm melting them now. But for years, the Germans, you know, the Germans take their techno very seriously, mm-hmm. and it's very po face and it's very black and dark. And for ages they couldn't get up why I was sort of trivialising it. They're not into the yellow smiley face. Yeah, yeah. Why are you trying to make this fun? (laughs) 
This is a job for us. And the thing is, but the thing is, I'm, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I, I, I'm in, in reverence that they can be so serious and take music so seriously. And I'm kind of a little jealous that I can't, that I can't be so serious about it. But it's not knocking what they do. It's just, but it's just recognizing places to go where you feel comfortable mm. and you don't have to mold yourself to fit into them. Is this why you think you've managed to stay in on front of mind for so many people for so many years? Like, I obviously kicked off in Melbourne. I had a friend in Melbourne, and she's not into dance at all. She came and saw your show and was like, holy shit, this is why people love Fatboy Slim. And you cater to these crowds, like young, old. You can play new stuff. Like, you know, you've played Childish Gambino and Mark Ronson, but then you can play Rolling Stones and Queen. Is that kind of just where your interests lie, or is that a matter of catering to these particular groups? No, it's just naturally what comes out, and it is it just it comes out quite accessible. So it's accessible to all ages. It's accessible to people who don't necessarily like dance music. I mean, when when I first started getting big with Fatboy Slim, there was a few somebody tried to have a pop at me and said, "Oh yeah, he just makes music for people who don't like dance music." I'm like, "Yep." <laughs> that's that's uh, that's the biggest compliment you could pay me, because um, it's not a closed shop. It's, it's you know the idea of you know dancing is such a universal way of expressing your happiness or escapism or you know sexiness or something like that. It's such a universal thing. It shouldn't just be kept to you know a bunch of black t-shirt wearing you know purists. It's it's there for everyone to dance, and I much prefer people to be dancing. You know, coming and having a you know a dance to me than doing line dancing, yeah. you know, to country and western or something. And it, it, but it's it's it, yeah, it's all just about you know using music and the rhythm of music to dance to to release yourself. And I try and do it with a slightly cooler soundtrack, but I'm not knocking anyone who does it any other way. But but yeah, it's 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 nice to be all inclusive. I was actually scrolling through your Twitter earlier on, and I saw that video you posted. Was that really Woody? You said a Which, nice father a son moment. Oh yeah, and, yeah. and Woody was. Sta- I'm, I'm assuming standing on someone's shoulders in the crowd, or, or just at you elevated and- in midair because that's how I saw it. It was really weird. I actually, it, it was the, the zenith of, of a really big gig, and it was. I think I was playing Praise You, and it was just at the end was like the, the big kind of thing. And I just looked out, and it was like like in a film. I sort of, I saw my 19 year old self, in, you know, suspended over the crowd in midair, and he was, you know, the, all of a sudden the music was fading yeah. down, and he was talking to me, and I was, I was like. This really happened. Just for it's context, like, you knew he was at the show, didn't you? Oh, yeah, sorry. Oh, this, <laughs> the context of the, those of you who haven't seen this, uh, there was a vision of my 19-year-old self apparently in midair above the crowd right in front of me at this moment. But then I realised it was not my 19-year-old self, it was my 19-year-old son yeah. standing on somebody's shoulders, but like 20 rows back, just point waving at me. Yeah. Do your kids understand the impact that you've had on music and as we just talked about the, uh, like young groups older groups I think so I think it's not something you can bash into them because I always try to keep them away from it uh, and it's not something that they can because they, they see you first and foremost as like the idiot embarrassing parents it's quite hard for them to re calibrate their thought to the fact that you actually might be cool. Your dad's always the old yeah. loser, but in yeah. your case, I don't know how that's uh, you possible. Know, for, for the first 15 years of his life, I was, you know, this embarrassing dad. Yeah. And then other people kept saying, no, your dad's really cool. He's like, no, 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 he's embarrassing dad. 
And then some point between when he started going out, coming to the shows, and then started. But especially now, he's he he uh, Spotify keeps taking him to different parts of my career. It's kind of on the algorithm. You must be one of the offspring of <laughs> Norman Cook. Here's some, you might like this. So he's now discovering all these other stuff that I did way before. You know, he's only ever known me as Fatboy Slim, yeah. but he's now discovering Freak Power and um, uh, Pizza Man and. And, cr- and going, Christ! Oh, you did that, and you were, you know. So uh, yeah, it's coming, but it's not something I've want, I've, I've I've encouraged my children to because um, having two celebrity parents, I think we were always very worried that our children would just grow up these wanker mm. idiots, you know. And so we've tried to really kind of say, well, look, what we do for a job is it's not real. That's just what we do. What mummy and daddy do for a job. Yeah, we are real people, and you know this is who we are. The embarrassing bit of it, you know. Um, so you don't like to bang on about it, but how do you go about as, as far as like when when they get to that age where they want to start going to bars and clubs? How do you facilitate that conversation? Because I know Liam Gallagher says he's like, you know, I'm not going to tell my kids to take drugs and drink, but who the fuck am I to say? Not to do that. I'm pretty much the same line as, as <laughs> that. Yeah, I, I, well, I, I just said I'd taken the fifth on this. Yeah, and my son would go, and then, uh, and then after a couple of months, my son went. I just looked up what taking the fifth means. That's your Fifth Amendment rights not to say anything that might incriminate you. He said. So I put it. Uh, but, the, but you're right. I mean, the thing is, I can't preach to him and say, "Oh, it's bad," because then he mm. could look on the internet and find out what I've been doing for most of my half my life. Um, but the same time, so I don't encourage him, but I don't want to be preachy about it. So I just took the fifth. I just said, you're going to have to learn about this yourself. Does this he have that relationship thing. where he can just tell you, Dad, Peter Man was shit? Uh, I think he knows me well enough that if he thought it was shit and not to bother telling me. <laughs> I'd like to think he had some kind of tact or... <laughs> At least appreciates it. Uh, no, I don't think... I, I don't think... Uh, I've never, I've never <laughs> asked him for honest criticism. Yeah, but it means the world to me when he genuinely, you know, he or he realizes that the song he's dancing to yeah. is his dad. Yeah, you know, he he's had nights when he's been, I love this. What is it? And people have gone, is your dad? Yeah, because um, I know so many different people who, if you say the word Fat Boy Slim, they'll say, oh, the Eat Sleep Ray Repeat, or maybe they'll say Praise You, or is that the guy who did the song with Christopher Walken and is dancing in? Like yeah. there are so many different avenues people know you by. It's it's quite a crazy thing to think about. It's good, yeah. It's good. I mean, if to have a career as long as this and, and to be defined by one track or one moment, mm. I think might be, be so tiresome. Mm. So I actually think about it. Like, I remember doing a gig with uh, Desmond Decker, who's a great musician and everything, but Paul Love, he's, the one thing in his whole life is he only ever had the one really, really huge hit, Israelites. And every gig that he does is defined about when he plays Israelites. If he starts with it, people might go home because it's like, well, I've done yeah. the Devson Decker thing now. If he starts at the end, then he has to sit and they spend the whole show going, Israelites, Israelites. So it's, I'm glad that there's more than one moment in my career that, that I would be known for. Because uh, otherwise, yeah, you've just spent the whole of the rest of your career living that one thing down. Is that why, especially in the last decade, you've kind of steered away from doing albums? No, that's just, it's just, there's nothing that's been coming out. Yeah. I, I for, for years I was an absolute workaholic because I had all these ideas and things that I wanted to do and music that wanted to come out of me and just at some point either I ran out or I wasn't turned on by doing it. I, I always had this, thing, you know, I wanted to share this thing with me, uh, with other people and I just don't seem to have that currently. Mm. Now that might change, I might change as I get older but I just, I don't know, I just, I fell out of love with making records and if, 
if I'm not if I'm doing it just for the sake of it, I don't think there's any point in doing it because it won't be very good, and I don't want to inflict that on people. So mm-hmm. I've just kind of sort of tailed off on that for now. So what's I mean? Do you have any more goals left to tick? Like I know your ultimate thing is you want people to dance and smile. Yeah. But once you you've reached this point in your career, you don't you don't. There's, is there any more mountains to climb? I don't think so. I th- there's a slight uh, art hillock. Mm-hmm. I really, I've always really liked art, and last year somebody asked me to curate an art exhibition, and I I did that, and I thought it was so enjoyed because it was like using some of my chops of being an entertainer and you know curating as a DJ, you are a curator of music. But using those chops in the art world and, and meeting a whole new bunch of people and working with the artists that I loved and stuff like that, that really turned me on. So that's maybe, I don't, but I don't know if I've, I, I would call that a, you know, a mountain that I want to climb or a, a goal, but it's a kind of nice little uh, deviation for me. Yeah. Where I feel like I'm using my talents in a slightly different way and, 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 and that and that became as you know as exciting as making records used to be but making beats isn't something that you necessarily need or want to do not not currently i'm not saying never again uh but also the other thing is is i'm enjoying one of the greatest pleasures is to travel around the world just sharing your favorite records with other people Mm -hmm. and watching them get high and dance that's that's such a you know a beautiful job to have i'm really enjoying doing that now but i'm aware that the clock is ticking and i physically won't be young enough to uh, do with the night nights and the traveling at some point. So that's probably the point when I when I can't do this side of the job anymore. That's probably where I want to go back in the studio. I love that you said at some point. So you just, there's still no, you don't see any timeline of when you might just, whether it's slow down or give it away altogether? No, my only cutoff point is if I stop enjoying it or if the audience stops enjoying it, that's the only thing that's going to stop me. Mm. Or if physically I'm impaired. <laughs> if physically I can't, you can't do walk, it. yeah. Yeah, but I'm doing my best to, I mean, I'm doing my best to stay, to, to stay fit. And, I, you know, I, I, I try and, I don't drink or party anymore. Yeah. So I'm trying to preserve myself so I can do this as long as possible. People might think that doesn't go hand in hand, though. The idea of you don't party, you don't drink, but you DJ at clubs every night. Yeah, there are people I know. Like I'm, I'm 29, yeah. and there are people I'm having to drag them out to clubs. Oh, we're too old for that. I'm like, no, you're not. You're 29 years old. Who cares? Come out. Yeah, I mean, no, I, I, I don't see it's exclusive. You don't have to be high or drunk to enjoy dance music and dancing with other people. And you don't have. I get. I, I mean, I get. And this sounds really wanky, but I get a kind of. I get intoxicated doing my, you know, up there. DJ, mm. something about the music and hearing those people, the excitement. I actually physically get intoxicated, and it's like I'm high. And it sounds really wanky saying natural high, but that's kind of where I am. But only because I've put 30 years of my life really, really hardcore partying, mm. and so I know, I know that kind of altered state. And I get kind of euphoric recall. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know, I know. I can see in people's eyes. I know where you are and what you're doing, and <laughs> I, that's why I know what you want to hear next. Yeah. You know? So there's a lot of instinct that comes from having having walked the walk and talk the. T- I can talk the talk because I walked the walk. And know? I know you said ever since you stopped drinking and doing drugs that you're actually better at your job. Which I think is so, always yeah. a plus. I take. I mean, I take being stupid far more seriously these days. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? <laughs> it means <laughs> just getting yeah. crazy on stage. You mean? Yeah, it means it's, it's educated craziness. It's not like just kind of, I'll drink a shitload of beer and see what happens. It's like, like I said, you know, I can tune into the 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 the, the vibe, the mood, mm. into and you know, and my job is just to make everyone higher. 
Yeah. To, so make, you want- to make, you know, people who are straight and sober to make them feel high. And the people who are high make them feel really fucking high. So if you're like headlining a show at Ibiza, will you not show up until five minutes before you come on? Like, can you still go there and just catch up, say hi, no, have a dance? Or is it very much, I'll come for my set and that's it? I always turn up at least an hour before and I always go and sniff the crowd, um, as I call it. But no, I always go and have a look and see, and, and I spend 10 minutes just watching everyone and seeing where they are. Because obviously, you know, when you're playing in Ibiza, so I've, I've generally go on at 3 a.m. Mm. So I'm not, I haven't been out <laughs> all night. That I mean, so I've been at home, you know, I've been, uh, you know, even, uh, at home till like one. Yeah. So I've got to see where they are and what's going on. And, and you know, and, and who's there, you know, what the age, the mix. In, in Ibiza, you could be playing to, you know, a whole load of English people. A lot of young English people, who are a bit, a bit, or you could play, be playing to you know an older, more tuned-in Spanish mm. crowd, or you know. So I, yeah, you know, I always. This is the kind of, this is the difference. I'll go and and you know, even if I'm just like putting my head out of a little curtain because I'm getting bothered. If I'll watch the crowd and see where they are and see and try and gauge and you use an instinct of what they want to hear. Yeah. Whereas before I would have been out for five hours partying. Yeah. And I would roll up five minutes before I went out and go, hey, where's the next? Yeah. You know, I now put a lot more thought into, yeah. into this abandon. I mean, we're talking about dirty club shows, but you have a date at Coachella in a couple of months' time. Is this your, what, I think you played Coachella 2014? I think it's my fourth one. Yeah. The last one was 2014. I did the first no? one. The first one did one in the middle, and then I did it two years ago, three years ago. Looking at a lineup like that, when you have a returning band like Rage Against the Machine and all these new acts coming through as well, where do you think we're at in the state of music in 2020? Are we in a good spot? Are we nostalgic? I think we're, we're lacking new supergroups. You've kind of got, got sort of, you know, big isolates of Ed Sheeran's and your Billy Eilish's and these sort of pop acts. But kind of there isn't a new sort of U2 or Coldplay or, you know, the real you know, yeah. big super rock groups. Yeah. And I think there's beca- people are beginning to feel a bit of a void at, the, uh, at your kind of Coachellas and your Glastonbury's where you want the headliner to be, you know, Oasis, Muse, you know, yeah. really like mega bands. And there doesn't seem to be a new one. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are like, Oh, you know, the, the, the couple of Glastonbury's. But in a way, that's kind of good because they're elevating people like Stormzy and Kendrick Lamar into headlining sets on the main stage, you know, like yeah. places where you wouldn't expect, uh, you know, a, 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 a grime show to be on yeah. the pyramid stage, you know. So I think it, in, a, in a way that's nice because it's, it's maybe those big rock bands are dinosaurs these days maybe they don't you know they haven't got a place to exist it feels like every year Glastonbury where we're talking about potentially an Oasis reunion as well and yet still it never happens still nothing, so that's yeah. good I mean but I think that's good because I mean there's you've got to look forward yeah. you've got to look forward if you think the last about the last five years the the Glastonbury headliners have been quite contentious because they had Kanye on they had Stormzy on they had and and it, and it, I think it's good that they're, that they're testing the limits, and it's not just like uh, whatever hoary old rock, big you know mega rock band has an album out mm. this year. Yeah. They're having to think hard about yeah. who is really earned that title of headliner. You know, I mean, touching what you said before about having older music in your set and new music, is there any new act now where you're like they're just producing more and more great stuff that you want to put in your own set? Um, there's not what comes to mind. Mm. 
No one comes to mind. Um, That's a challenge. No, I I think, but the thing is, what goes into my DJ set is a a particular, it's a strand to it. There doesn't seem to be any kind of musical theme to it, but there's something about it where I hear it and and it's got the end factor, Mm. (laughs) you know, and, and it's like, Sometimes when people say, "What you listen to all the records you get sent, you know, you do that all person, you don't have someone to, you know, filter out the shit for you." I'm like, "No, because only I know what it is I'm looking for, and yeah. you can, it's not, and you can't have an algorithm or a, mm. a, an assistant who would do it for you." So, and that can come from anywhere. It could come from like a pop record, or really, you know, sort of pure techno record. And there's something about it that just I know that that will fit into the story. That I want to tell, yeah, and so it tends to be a disparate sort of th- little bits from here and there. So there's not, I can't just say, oh, well, I really like that person's productions, or mm. you know, I'll, I'll always, you know, drop the Chemical Brothers. You know, it's like it's it's yeah, it flits it flits around, which I think yeah. is good. It keeps it fresh. Okay, well, I know we have to wrap up soon, so I'll give you one more question before we go. Do you think we will get any new Fat Boy Slim music in the foreseeable future? Not in the foreseeable future, no. In the f- in some kind of future, yes. <laughs> yeah, some kind but of future. Not a future that I can foresee right now. No. Yeah. Okay. Um, no, just because I haven't got any bright ideas, and I don't want to inflict. And you're anything. a busy man. It's not like you're just sitting at home I've doing nothing. I've got plenty else to do. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. It's not like I'm sitting around scratching my ass. Yeah. Um, and no, when I've got some, when I've got a good idea that I think you'll want to, you'll want to to, to listen to and, and share with me, then um, then I'll share it with you. But until then, I'll, I won't bother you. I appreciate that. I'll only bother you with, with DJing <laughs> and parties and art shows and, and everything else. Film soundtracks <laughs> and stuff like that, yeah. Well, uh, Fatboy Slim is playing in Sydney on Friday night, then followed by Perth and Adelaide. Check it out on the music.com.au gig guide. Fatboy Slim, it has been an honour, sir. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Well, thank you very much. That's a lovely chat. Appreciate your time. Thank you again for listening. If you like what you hear, check out the Handshake Media Network on Spotify, Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud and check out some of our other shows, including Two Truths and a Lie and A Matter of Faction. We'll see you all next week.